the place where your hosts, Wendy and April, discuss the creepy things that lurk in the misty shadows of the Appalachian Hills. I am, as always, the mysterious voice in the walls. Hey, everybody. I'm Wendy. And I'm April. Our next tale comes from Frankfort, Kentucky, at a place called Liberty Hall. John Brown was one of Kentucky's first two senators, and he began building Liberty Hall in 1796. After its completion in 1801, he moved in with his his wife, Margareta Mason Brown, and their son, Mason. Not long after moving in, Margareta gave birth to their second son, Orlando. She would go on to give birth to three other children, who did not survive very long after being born. She gave birth to two baby boys, both of whom were named Alfred, and both passed in the span of two years. In 1807, Margareta gave birth to a baby girl, who was a delight to all those around her and shed a positive light on the darkened hall. That baby girl's name was Euphemia, but her life would tragically be cut short. On October 8, 1814, when she was just seven years old, Euphemia passed away. Understandably, Margareta fell into the depths of grief, and her writings were said to show her anguish and despair. She withdrew from her life and spent every waking moment wandering the ground searching for a sign from her daughter, whom she believed was now an angel. Her brother came in from New York for a visit, and he was shocked at the sight of her. She was emaciated and seemed to have aged many years. Her mental health was in utter disarray. The family was worried they were going to lose her as well. Three years passed, and her emotional state improved very little. In 1817, Margareta's aunt, Mrs. Varick, traveled down from New York to help her. She raised Margareta after her mother had died at a young age, so the two had a close bond. At this time, Mrs. Varick was 72, and the journey to Kentucky was rather difficult. It also took place during one of the hottest summers in July. She was unable to recover from her journey from New York, and on the third night with the family fell violently ill. She died that night in an upstairs bedroom from unknown causes, though many suspect it was a heart attack. Mrs. Varick is said to have been laid to rest on the property among other family members. The grave markers that are there today show no record of Mrs. Varick, and the cemetery has no record of her burial. One thing that is certain, there are many reports of her being spotted on the grounds, and she has earned the nickname, The Gray Lady. One of the first sightings took place in the late 1820s. A young bride was staying in the bedroom where Mrs. Varick passed, and she reported seeing a gray figure walking across the floor of the room and then disappearing. In the late 1880s, John Brown's great-granddaughter, Mary Mason Scott, also known as Mamie, was staying in the home. She was awakened by a rustling sound and saw a tall apparition, veiled in gray, leaning toward her. She reached out toward the figure, but her hand passed through it and it disappeared. She screamed, and family members ran into the bedroom armed with a fireplace poker and a shotgun, expecting to see a human intruder. Mamie said similar experiences took place the next two nights. She was so unsettled, she asked to be moved to a new room. Mamie inherited the house as an adult, and some said that she gave palm readings and held seances in the house. She decided upon her passing the house would become a museum, due to its rich history. The house was sold to the National Society of the Colonel Dames in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Mamie was a member of this society, and they remain the caretakers of the property to this day. As for more recent sightings, a college professor conducted an experiment to see if the moon could be causing a reflection in the window. He spent six weeks in the house analyzing a full cycle of the moon, and all his findings were negative. On his final night, 
He was awakened by a friendly touch and found a friendly Mrs. Varick smiling at him. Another thing that happened was while the hall was undergoing restoration, the curator was taking picture docu- pictures to document the work being done. In one picture, the faint image of a woman coming down the staircase can be seen. No one living was on the staircase at that time. All right, so let's break this one down. Um, it's no secret there's a lot of tragedy that took place in this house. Um, right after they moved in, we had two young baby sons who passed away. Um, I'm not sure what the causes were. Um, and then also the daughter. The daughter was, what, seven, eight years old mm-hmm. when she passed away. And uh, again, we're not sure what the causes were of that. But that's enough to take a toll on a young mother. Um, and I guess she kind of lost it after that and was... Um, kind of deteriorating herself well i think that makes sense you know we we're talking about the early 1800s here mm-hmm. you know infant mortality was a big thing and I, I think that it's interesting that talks about that she named the the baby boys the same name you right. know uh, the one was born and didn't live very long and passed and then the second one that was born she just gave the same name and i think that was kind of a common thing during the time period because you know we didn't have the best medical knowledge back then. They didn't have the best access to medical care, and infant mortality was kind of high, and even right. maternal mortality was kind of high. Um, so I think that that's, that's kind of interesting, and I, I know that she probably felt very heartbroken, you know, oh, to yeah, lose all absolutely. of these children. And so you know that's going to give a big cloud of grief hanging over her. Yeah, so as she was going through this grief, um, she had her aunt. Well, her brother came to see her first and saw how upset she was and that she was wasting away. And I guess he gave her a set amount of time. And if she didn't get better, then he was going to send the aunt down to take care of her. And the aunt she had a bond with because, you know, the aunt raised her after her mom passed on. And, you know, kind of took her in as her own. But the aunt was 72 years old. And we're talking early 1800s. This isn't just jumping on a plane and going to Kentucky from New York. Yeah, there would have been a long journey involved there. I mean... We're talking coaches. We're talking... I think she had to ride on horseback. I mean, this poor Mm -hmm. lady had to go through quite a treacherous journey to get to her to her niece. Well, and one thing I thought was interesting, and, you know, we talked about how the the mother had passed away, and so the aunt had pretty much raised mm-hmm. her, Margareta, and I thought it was really interesting because Mrs. Varick, the aunt, her first name was Margaret, yes. and so it makes me even wonder if she was named after this aunt. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that just even further, the, the closer the bond that they had. But, yeah, traveling all of that distance at 72 mm-hmm. years old, you know, we're talking... That's up in age in the early 1800s. I don't know that there were a lot of people that lived to that age back then. And um, so that was a hard trip for her. And, um, you know, she just wasn't able to overcome that, which brought even more grief into the household. Yeah, we're already dealing with tragedy. And then she's there for just three nights and and passes on that third night in the house. And, you know, she's there to help out. And she passes away, and she doesn't get to help out like she expected to. Right. Go ahead. Uh, Well, I thought it was interesting that there's no record of her burial. There's no gravestone for her. There's no record in the the cemetery of her burial. And I thought that was kind of an interesting, unusual thing. I like that you bring that up because the family was buried on the property there at Liberty Hall. Mm -hmm. But then everyone was moved, from what I understand. They were moved to a Frankfurt cemetery. Mm Mm-hmm. And so everyone was moved, but then still there's no record of her. There's no marker of her. Um, 
I, I'm not sure where she is. I'm not sure. And a lot of people say that she's wandering the the land and she's wandering the property because she she's trying to get justice or she's trying to get because there is no marker for her. Huh. It's like she she's you know she has no closure. She has no. She that, is not at rest. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's interesting, but she doesn't strike me as a vengeful ghost oh, no. in any way. She strikes me as like she wanted to help, and absolutely. Um, you know, all of these sightings that talk about her. It, it seems that she's a, a you know a friendly ghost, amiable. It talks about how you know I thought it was really funny the college professor that was trying to you know disprove this theory, and he spends like six whole weeks documenting the moon, and then on his final night she's like, ha ha, gotcha, yeah. not the moon after all. Or after six weeks, he wanted something to show for it, so it was like at the end of the six weeks he was like, yeah, the last night you know I got nudged by this. Uh, yeah. That's a good point too. And um, I do think it's interesting that you know. She is described as a helpful ghost. Um, often people will say that she cleans and she she does things that are helpful. And that's what her intention was on Earth. Her intention was to go and help out her niece. And then she's known as being a helpful, friendly, benevolent ghost. So, so like if she wants to come hang out at my house <laughs> and do some cleaning for me, I would be totally okay with Send that. Send her your way. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, here's another thing. So... One of the first sightings was a young bride, and she was in the bedroom where, you know, Mrs. Varick passed, and she said that she saw her, and you know, as an apparition walking across the floor, and then she disappeared. Now, here's my question. I, I'm sure she knew the story of her passing in that bedroom, mm-hmm. and my question is, if you know the story, is that going to make you see things? Is that going to kind of creep you out and make you think things? Well, that's possible, too, and, you know, it doesn't mention her husband. No. It says she's a young bride, right. so I'm assuming she's a newlywed, so husband's probably yes. there, too. Did he Did not he see, see anything, anything going on? Was he asleep? You know? Was he snoring and couldn't be bothered? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I had a similar experience when I had a friend I used to stay all night with all the time. And in the bedroom that we slept in, stay there all the time, no problems, everything fine. One night she lets it slip that someone died in that room. Oh, great. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) From that night forward, I started seeing things, Mm -hmm. things that they were figments of my imagination. But now that I knew someone died in that room, exactly. Now that I knew someone died in that room, it's like, what was that noise? Mm -hmm. That noise was no longer the refrigerator kicking on. That was now an apparition floating through the room. Mm -hmm. Was it right before you went to bed? So it's like, hey, good night. Oh, by the way, (laughs) as a matter of fact, it was. We're just laying there and we're talking, and she's like, oh, you know, someone died in this room. I'm like, excuse me. Um, Why am I just not hearing (laughs) Could we not have established that when we first became friends and started sleeping in this room? No, no, this is not okay. So, and I feel like maybe the story itself could have played on people's imaginations, or maybe it could have. Well, I I think that's true. I think any time that there's a story of a haunting, you know, whether it's a, a friendly, positive haunting or like a scary, creepy one, you know, people hear that, they go in expecting to see things. Right. You know, oh, I've heard all these stories. I'm going to see something, too. And I think that that kind of plays into it a lot. 
Um, I thought it was really interesting about the great-granddaughter, uh, Mary Mason Scott, who, who was referred to as Mamie, when she comes in and stays. And I think it was interesting that she asked to be moved to a different room. Yes. You know, she was staying in that room. Presumably, she had to have known the history. Yes. And then when she starts seeing this figure, um, nothing, you know, uh, ominous about it. But when she sees this figure kind of leaning over her, that in, in itself is enough to creep you out. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't think I'd want to stay in a room after having an experience like that. Something that was interesting was, well, one thing that bothered her so much that she has to be moved. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it happened more than once. Another, in my research, I found that she looked very similar to uh, Margareta. Oh. She looked very similar to her. So the fact that the apparition is leaning over her, like in a caring way, Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe she thought that was her niece. Maybe she's drawn to her yes. and, you know, wants to, to help out or take care of her since she didn't get the opportunity to actually take care of her exactly. niece. And then just, Interesting theory. just the visual of her relatives running into the room with the fire poker and the gun. <laughs> and the shotgun. <laughs> shotgun and the fire poker. That's, yes. That's enough to dispatch anybody in the early 1800s. <laughs> Tell me you're from Kentucky without telling me you're from Kentucky. Uh, uh, you got to be prepared. You always got to be prepared. You never know. So that... I, I chuckled when I read that part because, you know, the relatives coming in expecting to see a real intruder and then finding out there was an apparition. I really mm-hmm. I enjoyed that part of my research. That was fun. Yeah. Well, and it doesn't tell us how old she was at that time, how old that the, the, the great-granddaughter was, but mm-hmm. it does say that when she was older as an adult, so I'm assuming she was probably, you know, teenager, younger kid when all of that was going on. Because when she inherits it as an adult, she seems to embrace that. You know, yes. if she's having these palm readings and having seances and things like that, it seems like she's embracing that spooky, creepy aspect. Okay, Mamie, if your house wasn't already haunted and you're having palm readings and seances, That's Mamie, a good way to get your house haunted. You're bringing something in there. Don't do you're poking it. poking the bear. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do the palm readings and the seances unless you want to bring something in. Yeah, Let's not do gonna that. You're going to attract the wrong attention. <laughs> Let's just leave it be. Don't do it. But yeah, I, okay, so here's some good news. You can go and you can tour Liberty Hall. Mm. Um, it is closed for season right now, mm-hmm. but it opens back up March 1st. So we can go, and I know what we're doing. Uh, I know April, what we're doing over yes, spring break. April, Road trip. Voice and Wall. We're going uh, first Saturday in March. You can go and you can tour. Um, you get your tickets, $9 for adults, smaller price for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, we go and you can tour the bedroom. Oh, you, wow. Yes. You can go in. You can tour the grounds. Uh, there were two houses for the the boys that survived, Mason and Orlando. Mm-hmm. I know Orlando Brown's house is still there on the property, and it said his house was built uh, in a certain way because he liked to throw parties. So oh. it's like a party house. Mm-hmm. But you can tour the grounds. You can tour the house. Um, and yeah, you can go in the bedroom where all of this took place and visits. So that would definitely be an interesting trip to make. Um, well, speaking of, I, you know, the whole picture on the staircase while it's being renovated, and we actually have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll put that up on our Instagram so that you guys can check it out. But I think it's really interesting because it's kind of a hazy thing, but that is definitely a feminine shape. You know, reminds me of the, the dresses that they would have worn back then. Um, so it's definitely... Definitely interesting, I think, to think about. Yeah, as the resident debunker, um, I kind of think maybe 
I see imagination at play. I see, you know, someone died in the room. So you want, you know, you kind of get that in your mind as you're going to sleep and you start thinking that you see things and it kind of plays with you. The picture on the steps is hard to describe. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to explain. So, well, and we have to think too about like, when the picture was taken, because it doesn't really say, it just said it was during renovations. Mm -hmm. So we have to think about, like, the technology of photography at the time and how it was taken. Is that one of those, like, long exposure kind of deals? You know, um, is it on regular film where you might have a double exposure? So there's lots to consider. Light leaks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So before I can say anything for sure about this i'm gonna have to you know get some more information on that Mm -hmm. but yeah but i always like seeing stuff like that. oh yeah you know because if you show somebody that picture without saying oh here here's what you're supposed to be seeing and then you know what do you think you see here i think it's always interesting to look at different people's interpretations of stuff but i do love the fact that we can go tour this place Mm -hmm. Um, our audience can go tour this place and look at it and get a feel for it. And now, knowing the story behind it, mm-hmm. that makes the tour that much more exciting. Mm-hmm. I imagine that all the proceeds of that probably go right back into that historical oh, society, yeah. you know, since it has been turned into a museum. Mm-hmm. I wasn't familiar with this uh, this National Society of the Colonel Dames in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. I had not heard of that before. I may want to look into yes. that and see. Well, I'm curious to ask, too, um, the workers who the tour guides, mm-hmm. um, if they experienced anything. Well, yeah, because so. you would imagine if they're there pretty frequently, that if there's weird things going on, they're probably going to be privy to that. So we may have to do an update on this one and mm-hmm. after we talk to the tour guides and see if they've experienced anything. Right. Of course, too, you know, it might be, yeah, we saw something. <laughs> we saw something. You want to come visit us more often. Maybe you'll yeah. see something, too, you know. So there's always that possibility. <laughs> you know, you got to kind of keep it going to keep interest up. Right. You're just here a week late. If you <laughs> come back next month, I'm sure there'll be. <laughs> but it is a really nice story, and it's it was a fun story to, to look into. I am always happy to hear the the friendly helpful ghost oh, stories absolutely. as opposed to the gonna kill you in yeah, your benevolent. sleep kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah i'll take a benevolent spirit yeah. anyway over an ominous one absolutely we would love to know what you think about this story and if you've visited liberty hall and have any experiences you would like to talk about please let us know on our social media sites You can contact us via Facebook at Haunted Haulers. We are also on Instagram at Haunted Haulers. And you can even find us on Twitter at Haunted Haulers. We do have a website, www.hauntedhaulers.com. And you can email us at hauntedhaulers at gmail.com. Until next time, listeners, beware of things lurking in the shadows.